Our sermon text from today comes from Matthew chapter 11, verses 25 through 30. It reads like this. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. End of reading. Father, I pray that now you would speak through my very imperfect and feeble lips to the people you've gathered for worship here this morning. May you be glorified through it all. May you give ears to hear and eyes to see what your spirit has for us today, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, summer is officially here. It is July 4th weekend. School is officially over. Feels like it has been actually in my home for months and months and months, but officially now it's actually over. And most of us watching this message, including myself, are still in some form of lockdown mode due to the spread of COVID-19 all over the country and indeed all over the world. In fact, we've been in this position now for over three months, and I know that many of us are quite tired of it and ready to get to some sense of normal, and yet it doesn't seem to be on the horizon, but I guess one thing that has happened, at least in my life over the last few months, is I have not been forced to grind as much as I was used to before this time. Now, I realize that's not true for all of you. I know some of you have maybe even had to work more, depending on the kind of field that you're in, especially those in the medical uh, professions and those who are in data analysis and that sort of thing, it may feel like you're even busier. But I think for a good number of us, there has been a slowing down of sorts over these last number of months. And so the question I have for you, whether you've been harried and hassled and busy, or whether you've actually been forced to slow down like myself is, do you feel well rested? In fact, or maybe would you describe yourself as a pretty rested, relaxed person? My guess is a good number of us still wouldn't. I think we all realize that life is often too busy and sometimes that causes us to fantasize about resting more. But the truth is, as much as we might find ourselves thinking about rest, human beings aren't very good at it. If they were, they wouldn't need a command from God. In fact, in the Big Ten commands themselves that would tell us, rest, remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy, don't do any of the things. I mean, good gracious, God even gives the people of Israel a whole year and says, I don't want you to do anything for the Jubilee year. Don't even work the fields, don't do a thing. We know how to rest. But I think we're actually afraid to do it. 
Tim Kreider in an op-ed for the New York Times some years ago pointed out that something that I think we all know, that being busy has become a sort of self-justification for our existence. He writes this, if you live in America in the 21st century, you've probably had to listen to a lot of people tell you how busy they are. It's become sort of the default response when you ask anyone how they're doing. Oh man, busy, so busy, super busy, crazy busy, man. Kreider writes, it, it is pretty obviously a boast disguised as a complaint. And the sock response, well, is kind of a congratulations. That's a good problem to have, better than the opposite. And to all of this, I can only say guilty. I can only confess guilt. I've been there and I bet you have too. Kreider goes on to say, almost everyone I know is busy. They feel anxious and guilty when they aren't either working or doing something to promote their work. Indeed, even what is supposed to be something that's leisurely for us, like social media, often becomes promotional media in which we're selling our lives to the rest of the world and letting them know about all the things that we're busy doing. And so, research has shown that increasingly, at least in America, a lot of us are exhausted. And it's not just physical exhaustion, but it's mental exhaustion. And what I want to say to you is physical and mental exhaustion are going to directly correlate with spiritual exhaustion and being spiritually tired. This is the world we live in. We all know it, especially in New York City. Many of us, frankly, if we're honest, are weary and burdened by our inability to rest, but, but we don't know what to do to fix this thing. And it is into this sort of over-busy world that is constantly running around frantically that Jesus comes to us today in our texts and says these words, Come to me, you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Implied in that is to fight against rest is to fight against something God has promised as a direct result of actually knowing him. And so what I want to discuss for the remainder of our time this morning is why is it that we find resting so difficult? Why is it challenging? Well, first of all, I think it's challenging because it means we have to admit that God is in control. Or in other words, we have to at least give up the illusion that we are in control. If you go back to the very first verse of the passage, you'll notice that it sort of comes awkwardly to just start reading the passage there. Because it says, at that time, Jesus declared something. Well, in order to understand what that time was, we need to go back in the text a few verses before, and we'll find out that what was happening at that time is Jesus was basically declaring condemnation on a number of cities that had rejected him as their Messiah and Lord. And, and, he, and when he's doing this, he describes them in a certain way. He says in verse 17 of the chapter that they were like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling to their playmates, we played the flute for you and you did not dance. We sang a dirge and you did not mourn. Now, what in the world does that mean? Well, essentially, Jesus is saying you were like kids wanting people 
to do a song and dance routine for you. You wanted God to do a song and dance routine for you. You thought by playing whatever you played that I was just supposed to do whatever you wanted me to do. And here I am telling you, no, I am in control. I'm the one in charge. Thus, Jesus goes on in our passage to say, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. And the word for little children there is, is quite literally infants. Yes, God can reveal himself even to infants. He goes on, yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him, who is in control. The Father and the Son. So right from the outset, as we're in this passage that's talking about rest, Jesus wants to reset our focus away from the illusion that we're in control and remind us that he's in control. And I'll tell you what, that is easier said than done to believe because I'm a man that wants to always find myself in control. I'm always sinking back into that illusion. And I know I'm not that weird. I think we all do it. Pastor and author Robert Capon penned a prayer some years ago, picturing the prayer of someone that just can't handle God being in charge of everything, that it has to be by his grace that we're saved, that it has to be by his authority that he reveals himself to us, that it has to be by his choosing. Give me something to do. And so he penned this prayer, Lord, please restore to us the comfort of merit and demerit. Show us that there is at least something we can do. Tell us at the end of the day, there will at least be one redeeming card of our very own. He concludes the prayer, give us something to do, anything, but spare us the indignity of this indiscriminate acceptance. Yes. To rest means we have to admit we're not in control. And if we're not in control, then that means, secondly, we're not as important as we tend to think we are. Some of us very easily fall into the trap of thinking, well, if not the whole world is going to shut down if I can't do something, a big part of our individual world will shut down if I can't do something. And so we find ourselves saying yes to all the things and no to none of the things and overburdening ourselves. I'm reminded of the story of Mary and Martha found in Luke 10. You probably have heard it before. There Jesus announces that he's going to come to Mary and Martha's house, a couple sisters, for dinner. And what do you think they do? Well, Martha at least wants the house, understandably so, to look amazing for Jesus. And so she's got the Clorox wipes out, she's got the Lysol spray, she's got the Febreze to make sure it doesn't stink like last night's fish dinner. I mean, you name it. She's cleaned up all the doggy stains on the carpet. I mean, she's going to town and in the midst of that, she's trying to cook a meal. And meanwhile, her sister Mary, as Jesus arrives, just sits at Jesus's feet and listens to him. Martha, at least to my mind, understandably is like, oh, 
What the heck? And so she actually commands Jesus, are you, Jesus, do something about Mary. Make her help me. I'm slaving away here. I'm working like crazy. I'm important, darn it. And what does Jesus say to her? Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. In other words, Martha, I think it's more important for you to rest and receive rather than to be busy and active. Jesus says, you're not as important as you think you are. I'm more important. Sit at my feet, rest and receive. Can you just learn to be passive for a few minutes? And that leads to, I think, the last reason that we're afraid to rest. We're afraid to rest because it means we're not in control and God is. We're afraid to rest because we're not as important as we think we are. And if that's the case, then it means, and this is the hardest part of it, yes, but it inevitably leads here. It means that we inherently need to admit our need for help. By its very definition, rest means we can't do it. We just can't. We can't always be on. We are wearied and heavy laden. What that means is we're weighed down with anxiety and strife over our lives, over our relationship to God, over our sin. In the 17th century, the great philosopher Blaise Pascal wrote a, one of my favorite lines. He said, I have often said that the sole cause of man's unhappiness is that he does not know how to stay quietly in his room. Peter Kreitz, the philosopher and scholar, still with us today, commenting on this line wrote, we ought to have much more time, more leisure than our ancestors did. Because, well, technology, which is the most obvious and radical difference between their lives and ours, is essentially a series of time-saving devices. Crave points out in ancient societies, if you were rich, you had slaves to do the menial work that you could be uh, freed from so that you could enjoy, well, your leisure. Life was like a vacation for the rich because the poor slaves were their machines. But now, Crave acknowledges, now that everyone has slave substitutes, our machines, why doesn't everyone enjoy the leisurely, vacation-y lifestyle of the ancient rich? Why have we killed time instead of saving it? Here's Crave's devastating but all too true answer. We want to complexify our lives. We don't have to, we want to. We want to be harried and hassled and busy unconsciously. We want the very things we complain about. For if we had leisure, we would look at ourselves and listen to our hearts and see the great gaping hole in our hearts and be terrified because the hole is so big that nothing but God can fill it. And so Crave goes on to say, we live in homes that 
it's like we have a gigantic hole in the middle of our home. And so what do we do in order to get rid of that gigantic hole? Well, we paper over it. And then it turns out that in our home, we have this gigantic gaping rhinoceros. And what do we do to get rid of the rhinoceros? Well, we cover it with a million mice. And essentially his point is, we will do anything to have to avoid the problem that comes that we know is there. And so we distract ourselves all the time. And boy, is there never a time that we can distract ourselves with more than right now. I'm just being real with you. I mean, if I start to uh, have to deal with something dark in my own life that I don't want to deal with, a sin or a failure or a flaw, it's all too easy for me to immediately pick up my phone, start scrolling social media, look through Twitter, blah, 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 until I've numbed the thought that was bothering me. And I know you're prone to it too. And so we don't rest. Jesus' answer is instead of covering up the hole with multiple diversions, come to him and admit that the hole is there in the first place. That the way we find rest is by admitting our need for help. It means coming clean. It means acknowledging that our life is too much for us to handle in and of our own strength. It means handing over your burden to him and taking his easy yoke and light burden that you may find rest. At the end of that article from the New York Times from Tim Kreider, he writes these words. I suppose it's possible that I'll lie on my deathbed regretting that I didn't work harder and say everything I had to say. But I think what I'll really wish is that I could have had one more beer with Chris, one more long talk with Megan, and one more great laugh with Boyd. Life is too short to be busy. I've ministered for 13 plus years at the deathbeds of many a person. Kreider's right. I have never once had anyone, as they were dying, say to me, I wish I would have spent more time at the office. I wish I would have worked more. I wish I would have avoided my family more. I wish I would have done this more. I wish I wouldn't have taken time to appreciate all that. No, it's the opposite. I wish I would have vacationed more. I wish I would have spent more time with my family. I wish I didn't give so much to my work. I've heard it time and time and time again. Life is too short to be busy. So my friends, as you continue adapting to the craziness that is 2020, as you continue to be bombarded by news stories, and maybe as you even continue to be bombarded by work that a lot of the time feels like it has to be done now, do not forget to come to your Savior for the rest that you need. Just because you're busy doesn't mean you have to be busy. You are not God. You are not in control. None of us is important as we might think we are. And all of us can admit our need for help. You pray with me.
Lord God, I pray that you would alleviate the stress that we're so often under, oftentimes due to our own fault. Help us instead, Lord Jesus, to acknowledge our need and find the rest that only you can provide. Forgive us our sins and give us new hope each and every day. You'd help us to serve in our various vocations from a place of freedom and rejuvenation. And now, Lord, we pray the prayer that you gave us, saying with one voice, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever.